Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis Podcast. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, I mean, they just keep coming back. Like that mold in your shower that you've been trying to get rid of for years and years and years, it just keeps coming back. Jim Morrow and Alan Kaysen, how are you guys doing? Listen, I would uh, recommend you go and see somebody about that, because... Um, <laughs> I'd also yeah, get a doctor to check out your lungs uh, and, so. and your feet. Yeah. <laughs> to tell you the and truth, so, I think that intro said more about you than it did about us. No, well, I'm a little concerned about me being compared to mold. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. you're you're you're, uh, you're always there. Is all I'm saying. It's just yeah. Well, there's so many other illustrations <laughs> that could have been used. To could convey have that so one point. Ways. Well, I mean, I spread. I'm a little furry. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. We're going downhill <laughs> so fast that we just got. We going. never started. Well, no, welcome everybody to the Podakesis <laughs> podcast. This is a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. My name is Jim, and my voice is still ten octaves below normal because yeah. here in Southwest Georgia, we plant things um, that I'm still getting used to. Uh, so you get to have True. my uh, Phoebe Buffet voice. Hello. Oh. That's a deep Sticky cut shoes. for you 90s people. Sticky shoes. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Uh, we're excited today to jump back into the next section of The Faith Once Delivered. TFOD. Which is the T, we call it the TFOD for short. We do. Uh, this yes. is a document put together by the John Wesley Institute. We've been walking, kind of going in a uh, step by step well, through. We've been crawling. crawling. Yeah, crawling. Well, we have been enjoying. It really marinating, been, yeah. marinating this document, which really, really lays out in a very um, comprehensive way and very easy to digest way. Yes, uh, the Wesleyan Christian outlook on faith, um, just to get down to the basics of not just what we believe as Wesleyan Christians, mm -hmm. but why it matters. Take it away, gents. So um, today we're talking about the fall. Ouch! And not not the season. Help! I've not fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> Isn't that really kind of the human condition? <laughs> like that life, life alert. Hey, yeah. Don't we have life? Don't don't we have don't we life have, alert? Yeah, this is don't like we, the youth. Pa we, uh, this is youth we. pastor takes on Twitter. It's like <laughs> we all fall, but we all have a life alert. Oh, help me, Jesus. You may have fallen, but let me tell you about the about button in how Jesus is your life alert button. <laughs> now, with every head bow, uh, head bowed, and every eye closed. Take your finger and press the button. Yeah, and, and so this is what you do. This is what you do when you're preaching that is you hand out a little button yeah. to everybody. And then Ooh, during like the, the Office Max button. Is it yes. Office yes. Depot or Office Max? And then during Max? the altar call, you say, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want you to raise your button. And if you'll accept Jesus as your Lord, I want Click you to press button. it now. And okay. then it sends data over to the prayer team. That's right. <laughs> and they come and whisk you out. DNA I think I've got data. this covered. I think I just really un unearthed a new model of ministry. Let's go. Let's go. For the, the 21st go. century, I think you got it. Absolutely. I want to hear what Matt Reynolds says about my... I want his critique on this. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, um, um, so we're talking about the fall. Not a season and not a uh, commercial, uh, an infomercial. Um, we are talking about the fall of humanity. Um, and we're talking about original sin, and uh, you know we've been looking at the image of uh, God in humanity. 
we've been talking about creation. We've been talking about Wesley's view of the image of God. Um, now we're getting into this idea of the marring of the image of God, the 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 brokenness, if you will, of humanity, um, and what we as Wesleyans uh, see um, in this. And you know, there's some things just kind of off the before we get into the paragraphs from the Tifa. There's some things that we just need to. Address first of all, Wesleyans believe in original sin. We just need to uh, put mm. that out there. Um, sometimes you will hear different things from Wesleyan Methodist circles, whether we do or do not. No, John Wesley was a, a, a he was a he in this sense he was a classical theologian. He was a, a theolo- he was a, a student of the Protestant Reformation. The original sin was a thing, um, and is a thing. So we as Wesleyans we hold to this idea of original sin. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Um, we also hold to this idea that um, sin, uh, that Christ, that we need Jesus, that we need Jesus. Jesus is the answer to that to that original sin Jesus problem. Jesus is the answer yes, for the world. Okay, I'm sorry. There let's go. go. Let's oh, go. Let's just come on. Come on. Yes, Lord. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and so... <laughs> All right, if we do the YouTube, Jim's face needs to be the face. Oh, there we go. There, there we it go. is, right there. There's the thumbnail. So anyway, um, and so let's go ahead and get into this. Let's talk about what the fall is and maybe even what the fall is not. And uh, let's, yeah, let's just knock yeah. it out. So paragraph 77. Um, and the reason I quit singing, not because I couldn't remember the words, but because I didn't want to copyright uh, uh, oh, that's strike on us. Yeah, that's we're right. going to get <laughs> the Podakesis <laughs> podcast is no longer in existence because we can't afford the legal fees associated yes, right. with a random so, copyright just, strike. Just to be clear, just to be clear. <laughs> right. We set up a Patreon uh, just to get back on the air because Alan can't stop singing public <laughs> song or copywritten songs. Uh, these are all examples of the fall. Um, okay. <laughs> Paragraph 77 begins this section on the fall this way. As Wesleyans, we believe that sin is any deviation from God's perfect character. That means that sin is fundamentally opposition to God and his good purposes for the creation. As such, sin is God's enemy and our own. We need a robust account of sin, especially if we want a rich account of salvation. That's a, that's a strong word yeah, right there. Our distinctive Wesleyan understanding of salvation as freedom from sin for a life of holiness depends on a rigorous assessment of our culpability. Mm. The depth of our sin is the problem to which the good news of salvation is addressed. Sin is a disease. Christ is our healer. The greater our awareness of the seriousness of our sin, the greater will be our appreciation for the mercies of God and the promise of wholeness. Mm. Yeah. What a, that, I mean, that, I mean, I mean, that's right. I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's just getting to this whole idea that um, the greater we come to the understanding of, of our sin, the greater the impact of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Mm-hmm. Right? Salvation is meaningless if you're not saved from something. Exactly. Amen. Right. Exactly. Well, I've heard it said uh, that uh, the heart of Wesley's theology is soteriology, is salvation. Um, that that's kind of the driving force of of who Wesley is and his teaching. Um, and so that line you said, uh, we need a robust account of sin, especially if we want a rich account of salvation. Like if salvation is that thing, we need the, uh, that kind of axial point, maybe. Then what we need is an understanding of what we're being saved from. 
this um, this uh yeah. this this paragraph had like f- five lines that said the same exact thing but in so many amazing ways <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, basically you need to know how much of of a sinner you are so yeah. that you can live into the holiness um the salvation that Christ uh, offers to all of us so i mean I don't know, yeah. I and really there are some topics it. here that we'll get into in a little bit and what a couple that are worth mentioning <clears throat> um and we've talked about this before but part of me <clears throat> That sin, when people think about sin, maybe at the popular level, they're thinking about the things that they do wrong. Right. And, right. And, yeah. and then what happens is, especially as society changes and morphs, things that may have been wrong are no longer wrong, mm-hmm. or who are you to call me wrong, as if uh, Christians are, are the arbiters of judgment. Um, but the idea is that sin is not only the things that we do uh, that are against God or trespass against God. Or that deviate from God's character, but here the the term here is Christ. Sin is a disease. Christ is our healer. Mm-hmm. Sin is also a state of the human condition. Right, big S. And one one of the big tensions in um, Western Christianity at the moment is the um, putting together the theological concepts of the image of God and the fallenness of humanity. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and we've talked about it before, but just to keep in mind that one of the yes, we are made in God's image, but that makes the fallenness of our nature that much more tragic, mm-hmm. which makes the beauty of Christ's salvation mu- so much more radiant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you you our our understanding, our anthropology is such where we have a height, a depth, and then a height again. Mm-hmm. You have creation in the image of God, the fallenness of our nature, not just because of our behavior, right, but because of our condition. right, And then the beauty of that redemption. Right. You will love Jesus more if you understand these things about people and who you are. Right. Um. What do y'all think about that first sentence as a as an interesting definition of sin itself? Sin, uh, we believe that sin is any deviation from God's perfect character. Now, there's, there's. I think it's a, serviceable yep. for sure. Yeah, um, there's a lot of definitions of sin that are out there, um, but I, I I think succinctly that's. And what I like about this is I think a lot of times, kind of piggybacking on what Jim was saying, um, a lot of times we we try to define sin based upon. Uh, ourselves here this sentence defines sin based upon the standard of who god's character is what god's character mm-hmm. is so god becomes the standard he becomes the defining point not us right and so that i think that's an important piece to this as well i, yeah, I also i, I also yeah. just want to lift out the um there's a lot of resistance and i have it in myself too but a lot of resistance against um uh, meeting expectations um, of standards of behavior as as such, uh, people in in the evangelical Christian world has maybe done a a disservice to people by by just simply talking about sin as you're not measuring up. Um, therefore, sin salvation becomes sin management. Um, behavior it management. really, yeah, it really is. God's perfect character is not just a standard to live up to. But it is the fullness of life, yeah. And you're not, and you don't have this otherworldly perfect God that you have to measure up to, or else. I mean, that's that's just twisted. 
what you have is a perfect God who wants to be in relationship with you, with you, to help you to be the fullest that you've, you were always created to be, mm-hmm. and you can't because of the fallenness. You can't because you're deviating by nature in your very existence outside of Christ because of our fallen nature. And so there's there's something in my brain about um, about all of this that says, remember, it's not just about meeting standards. It's not just about behavior. It is ontological. It is about our being, and God fixes even that. There's a great book called The Breviary of Sin. Yeah. Uh, and I wish I could remember who Cornelius— Planiga. Cornelius Planiga. Planiga, yeah. And he's got a similar... Now, he, I think he's got a Reformed background, but that's he all does. right. He's, he was. He was the president of Calvin College, yeah. He's beautiful. Um, there's a whole... I've, I've done a sermon series twice on this whole topic mm-hmm. that we do not cannot appreciate the depths of our salvation without understanding the depths of our sin. Right. All right. Well, I just wanted to riff on that. We're going to get to some other stuff here, and I know others have yeah. something to say. Well, let me, um, let me just go on to... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Chapter, I mean, to, to paragraph 78. Um, yeah. God created us as an act of his perfect love to relate to him in love. Mm. Our bent towards sin is, is a disease that we cannot heal in our own strength. God created us and desires to bless us abundantly. We sin when we reject God's will for us and choose to place our own desires and preferences above God's perfect desires. This does not mean that humans are now incapable of love or substantive relationships with one another, and with the rest of creation. Human beings have not lost the ability to know the world around them, to learn from the past and from others. Go ahead and pick up the next one, I think. Yeah, let me go ahead. Yeah. 79. Human beings were originally endowed with the image of God, but that image has been fundamentally marred in every human creature. Having been made free in the beginning to embrace God's perfect love, humanity chose to turn from God. As a result, sin entered the world. The world after the fall is marked by brokenness, rebellion, decay, and death. Hmm. Another way to say this is that the disease of sin infects the world. Hmm. In turn, every part of the creation, every creature, human institution, individual, and corporate relationship, every philosophy, human reason, even our bodies, experiences, and thoughts are themselves diseased by the sin that has been conveyed to every generation. Dang, what a line. Yeah. <laughs> that la- <laughs> every human institution, every <laughs> golly, every reason, philosophy. Oh my gosh. That is even our bodies. Well, even our bodies. Yeah. So so if you think of I'm trying to think of uh something. So like let's say you're um molding something with epoxy. Yeah. Right. People do that all the time. Um and when I've worked with epoxy, you have to mix the two chemicals, you put them together. You can actually sculpt with it or you can repair things with it. Um, if you if that material if you if has got extra water in it or the wrong ratio of chemicals in it, the material itself is not what it's intended to be. Mm-hmm. So therefore everything you repair and everything you build with it mm-hmm. will be in, insufficient in its own way. Or if you're building plaster of Paris to mm-hmm. uh, to cast a mold, everything that you make with it, if you have put too much water in it, for example, mm-hmm. is going to be crumbly. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing. If if humanity, if the very human nature has a disease, mm-hmm. everything that it involves or is involved in it will mm-hmm. therefore be corrupted. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Even if everyone 
is trying to do the absolute best that they can with mm-hmm. all good intentions. The corruption that's innate and inherent in a fallen and marred human nature will compound upon itself and yeah, tend it's towards death. It's kind of like that, you know, that whole Jesus and the yeast. Yeah. Well, the you dough. know what I could have done? You know what I could have done? I could have used a simple biblical metaphor. <laughs> I could have used a simple biblical metaphor. This is why this but is why, why I write. This yeah. is why okay. Alan is here. Yeah. This is why this is why Saturday night special sermons are not good for me. Is because I need three days to realize, oh crap, man! I could have just used a simple biblical metaphor. <laughs> the it's church, the church is, yeah, shut up. <laughs> I like this word, word use of the word marred. Yeah, I do too. Yes. that's exactly I, it's right. It's all it's all throughout the the TFOD document. Um, and and you know what that it, word does? This is what that word does. The image of God has not been removed from us. Yeah, it's not been just it's not been destroyed completely. It's right. Distorted. It's, it's distorted. Mm-hmm. And there's something beautiful about that, redemptive about that. Um, we're not we haven't lost our image. It's just it's marred within us. There's it, it's it's fixable. And so our past, our sins, our 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 you know, when people will come sometimes, and I know you guys have heard this from folks, but um, and if any pastors out there, if you've talked to anybody about this kind of thing, you know, if you say, you know, um, <clears throat> Jesus loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you, and people will always throw back something like, I've just done too many bad things, right? I've just done, my past is too broken. My bad past is, you don't know what I've done. And I don't think I'm, in some sense, like, I'm, I don't think I'm fixable. Hmm. Well, a, a, the, the language of a marred image says that it is that it is fixable that it is um able to be put right um and cleared up if you will so yeah i agree with you i love that 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 that, that wording you know the other thing so so it does do that it does give you a sense <laughs> that that there is hope if god will intervene praise god Amen. the other end of it it's like it's also terrifying yeah it's also terrifying yeah, yeah, I could see okay yeah. because um if you look in the mirror yeah. Into a broken mirror, you can you can be ghastly. Yes, you can be ghastly. Yes, and and in a world where the image of God is marred in people, then God becomes ghastly to people. Ooh. Okay, and I think that in the trends of society throughout history, and maybe maybe even part of the one we're living in in the American Western Church right now is to the world around us. God is ghastly. Yeah, God is horrific to people who. Um, are having trouble, and maybe even the church is impl- complicit in this. Like God, God is not for the same good that society sees, because the marred image looks perfect, right? Well, and I mean, because the, the and marred because image to, looks right, it may yes, not perfect, and, but it and, really and looks to look right. at God, then through a marred image means that God looks yeah. ghastly to people, and 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 I think that that's I think that there's opposition to. There's naturally supernatural opposition to God mm-hmm. throughout history. There's opposition to God in societies mm-hmm. um, because to a broken and marred world, a perfect God, like Alan said, looks marred. Well, yeah, what is it? it? Scri- scripture says that we look look at God through a veil, you yeah. know, and that um, through Christ, a gas, through a Christ glass dark takes that veil off. Yeah. But it's not until that, and it's not until that, Christ then, takes a hold of us. That, but then, 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 if we look at God through and we see a perfect God, and we see Him perfectly. Then we look back at us. What do we see? We are ghastly. Yeah, and yeah, and so, so there's that's a scary. Choice. That's there's scary. A, 
there's a choice that has to be made, and the Spirit of God helps us to make this choice, um, is do I want to be, do I want to see myself as I am? Uh, uh, Fre- uh, theologian Frederick Buechner says, uh, I think he says something like, um, the good news has to become bad news before it becomes good news. And it's right. that yeah. kind of, because yeah. the gospel, call, like, so the gospel does that, right? The gospel re- removes that veil, and we see ourselves for who we are. And it is ghastly. I love that word, by the way. That's a word we need to start using mm, a lot more. It's beautiful. Yes. But it, it is, but we see ourselves, and we don't like it. So that's bad. We see our brokenness. We see our marredness. We see our complicitly complicitness and whatever and it is ugly and it, that's bad news but the good news is christ can heal well, because mm-hmm. it goes back to that first paragraph is like you have to come to the grips with your um yeah um, um how bad we are in order to see how rich our salvation is that's right, right. and you're not um, going to get a prescription until you have a diagnosis right yes right and, so, and, and go ahead well, I was going to say in that word you were saying, Jim, earlier about um, what the world be, could be looking. You know, what we that Christ, God looks ghastly to the world, maybe because for various reasons or whatever. I mean, isn't that what Paul says in uh, I think it's Romans, right, where he says um, uh, the cross it looks like foolishness. It's foolishness, yes, to yes. those who are being destroyed by it or yes. whatever. Yeah, uh, so so that thought that I just ripped on, I, I, there's something there. It may not be entirely theologically accurate. There's my disclaimer, but I feel like there's something there we could really riff on. Yeah. One, a theological mechanism piece that the image of God is marred and not removed is mm-hmm. that is what God calls out to in the grace, in grace mm-hmm. that calls back. That is, the, mm-hmm. that is the way in which God, it's the antenna through which yeah. Pervini yeah. grace yeah. calls us back to him. Yeah. That is the, um, if you wanted to get down into theological nuts and bolts um, in between Calvinism and Arminianism, I think we can find our common ground here. There yes. is no human response without God's first response. Yes. And that first response is available because sin has so marred, but God has retained within each of us through creation a, a glimpse, a piece of his image that he calls out to. Yes. That's good. All right, Alan, take us away. All right. Um, Paragraph 80. Each person born after the fall has been marked by this corruption, even if the guilt Mm -hmm. of sin Mm -hmm. after Christ's atoning work on the cross is no longer passed from Adam to the rest of humanity. The bent to sin is effectively conveyed to each person. For this reason, we cannot return to God, model his holiness, or be restored to the full image of God through our intelligence, power, efforts, religion. Mm-hmm. religiosity yep. or inherent nature. Go ahead and do 81 too, because All I right. think that ties Yeah. Uh, um, even our love for one another, reflecting as it does the love we have from God is corrupted by the fall. Oh. The other oriented self-giving nature was replaced by bondage to a self-consumed heart. The love of husband and wife, parent and child, siblings, friends, fellow believers, and even our love for enemies mm-hmm. following Christ's command is tainted by selfishness without the grace of God transforming it. Only through the grace of God in Christ Jesus can we begin to live a life that fully embodies the image of God. Only then will we be completely able to live the life of holy love, holy love. which God calls each person and community. Wow. Even our love for one another. Um, mm. Golly. couple yeah. quick things. Um, this conversation... Uh, also helps us to get one of the arguments against original sin is 
um, the understanding of Adam and Eve as the only people, and is it biologically transmitted, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, not so much that so because you can say, hey, where do all the other people come from? Does that mean original sin is not passed? It's the guilt that is passed and uh, the bent to sin effectively conveyed to each person. Um, so you can, you don't have to have that. Well, it's biologically passed. Right. It's passed in nature. In nature. Um, but the bent of sin is still passed to each person, even after the cross, because we're still made in this nature. We need to be remade. Right. One of the things that's fascinating to me um, I'm a pastor. I spend a good bit of time with church people. Um, and it says, for this reason, we cannot return to God, model his holiness, or be restored to the full image of God through our intelligence or power or efforts. I think my church people would really agree with that. Um, the one the one that kind of the church needs to hear every now and then is, or your religiosity. Right. Or your religiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, you've heard it said, the safest place to hide from God is in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do all of the things, but if your heart is not yielded to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, you might just be doing an exercise in religiosity. Mm. Church practices are not sin and behavior management. They're means of grace that lead your heart into the presence of God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Hey, I, um, Go ahead. I have, I, have, I have a riff on verse 80 or chapter 81. All right. Um, uh, why don't you do that? And then I'll, I, I've got something personal to this share. This is, yeah, it's that kind of thing. So our love for one another is corrupted by the fall. Um, and it talks about husbands and wives and parents and children. <clears throat> it's very fascinating if I think um, marriages and friendships, deep relationships, relationships where you have made a commitment to be in relationship with another person. They're all of different nature, but they're very valuable for holiness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because until you're in a, a let's say you're, you're, we have a band. This is our band, not a rock band. This is mm-hmm. a part of our covenant community of friendship and Christian community that Potakesis hosts here. Um, there's going to be junk, mm-hmm. right? And the commitment allows us to push through and see just where sin has affected our ability to be in relationship with another person. Right. Okay. So you think about marriage. Um, my wife and I, we, we've dealt with the loss of a preborn child um, and that grief echoes through, right? And the commitment that we are going to be uh, each other's covenant partner for the rest of our lives forces us to say, hey, wait, there are places where we are very broken and there are places where life brings up stuff that we were formed from when we were one, two, three, 10, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. We didn't quite realize it was all broken. Mm-hmm. And our ability to love one another is conditioned by so many other things that are built out of um, the fall of corrupted formation. And so even recognizing that marriage is a place where you're going to learn where your ability to be in relationship is is corrupted. Mm-hmm. It's also the place where you're going to learn. It's the school, and not just marriage. I don't I, I, singleness and friendships. You can find this too. That's why Wesleyanism is so built on covenant fellowship, true fellowship. Mm-hmm. Any of these covenanted relationships, despite their differing natures, can also be a school where you find healing and redemption, 
and the ability to learn holy love in these intricate, small, little places where there are cracks and specks of corruption that are still left in your saved life. It's a school of growing in holy love. And so I'm thinking about that in in marriage where my wife and I are, are beautifully covenanted together and I'm glad we are because we're finding more. And this is probably just as you grow older in marriage yeah, too. Right. Yeah. Without all the extra stuff. You're finding all the places where, wow, I didn't realize that my love was corrupted there. My ability to right. relate was corrupted there. Covenant relations, not only in marriage, I don't want to say I want people to know that um covenant friendships and covenanted fellowship carry the same opportunities for learning the depth of our fallenness, but also as a school of learning holy love if we're going to stick in those covenants with each other. Right. Um, this is real life stuff. No, this is how it this yeah. is how it matters. Hey, if you don't, if you if you don't recognize along the way that you're being sanctified from a corruption that affects your relationships, that when you come up against a place where you're having trouble loving or being loved, then you're going to dip out or you're going to push back and you're going to break, or you're going to lean into and do damage to yourself or to others. That's going to ripple out. But if we know that I am working out my salvation in fear and trembling, that even my relationships are corrupted, then you're going to know when you come to that place, you're going to have a frame of reference to understand what that is Mm -hmm. and say, you know what, this is a place where I need Christ and I need this other person or this band of brothers or sisters to help me relearn by the power of the Spirit of God how to love in this way. Um, so there's my little riff on that about how it ma- why it matters. Um, yeah. When, um, instead of telling a personal story, because I think you you hit it on the head with that. This Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. When we're recording this, this yeah, Sunday, Sunday is coming up as a. As by the way, at the end of the episode, I'm going to show you the shoes I'm going to wear. Go ahead. Okay. Awesome. Um. You know, uh, so we I've decided to focus in on the summary paragraph in chapter 2 of Acts for mm-hmm. Pentecost. So what do you have? You have um, in Acts chapter 1, you've got Jesus getting ready to ascend. He promises the Holy Spirit, you will be empowered to go into Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He ascends into heaven. Matthias is elected as a new apostle. And then, um, and then you get to chapter 2, and... It's been 50 days since Pente- I mean, since uh, um, uh, Passover, and so uh, you get to chapter 2, the, the disciples are in the upper room, the tongues of fire, the wind through the room, and they come out and they're speaking in tongues of the languages of the people, and you got to understand that the nations were around, um, and Peter begins, this, this fisherman who had walked with Jesus for three years, who had denied Jesus, who had been reinstated by Jesus, all of this stuff. He gets up and he preaches this amazing sermon on basically uh, why why you need Jesus in your life, for that, and uh, 3,000 give their lives to Jesus. And then there's this summary paragraph, right? There's this summary paragraph. It's chapter 2, 42 through 47, that said that, um, and they all gathered together. Uh, they, they were in fellowship together. I'm summarizing summarizing the summary, um, they were uh, in fellowship together, they broke bread together, they held everything in common, um, they uh, they listened to the apostles' teaching, 
um, these things they did together. So this is the church is birthed out of this. What we know as the church, the ecclesia, the fellowship, is birthed out of this. And what was that? What 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 was birthed? What did it look like? It was mm. it was love for each other. It was fellowship. It was apostolic teaching. It was communion together. It was proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And the numbers kept being added to their flock every day. It just it mm. says the last sentence there in verse forty-seven. And the numbers kept increasing. The numbers kept increasing. Um, there's something wholly beautiful about that. That is, you you see at its very birth, at its very infancy, the church um, kind of pro- living in what I would consider pro- holy love, right? Almost perfect love, not corrupted yet, not not giving in to human desires of power and prestige and, and status and whatnot, not giving in to the the the, the sinful bent of of um, of racism and sexism and ageism and whatever it is that separates us. You had the church coming together by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and fellowship, and love, and communion, and 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 proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the image of the power of the Holy Spirit within us to 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 re reorder to um to not to, to to remove the veil off of our eyes and then to forgive us and to and to mold us and to make us um into the image in, into into the into who we were created to be so that we may live out that that holy love um that we may live out that holy love for the transformation of the world. Like I just, that, that paragraph sticks with me every time. I just love that paragraph. When I think of the church, that's what I think about right there um, in that paragraph. So uh, absolutely. I think you're right, Jim. I mean, the words you were just saying about why we need friendship, why we need a good understanding of marriage and growing together and understanding where our brokenness is, our, our brokenness is and our, our maredness and, um, growing from that sanctification, the need for community in each other. That's that's kind of the the genius of the Wesleyan movement is understanding that sanctification, holiness comes from community. Yeah, it, it, that's a big part of that. And so, I, and and Wesley wasn't Wesley didn't invent that idea. I mean, he's drawing no. from the biblical witness. You know, he, but he yeah. he exercised very well his his leadership, theologically informed leadership, yeah. to make it. Um, something that was lived and breathed in the church. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, Alan. What you thinking, brother? Um, no, I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking we don't know what love is until we ha- we know the love of Christ. Yeah, um, I, and and you yeah. might even say, I want to know what love is. I want to know what love is. And okay, so. cease and desist. All right. Cease and okay. desist. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all we can do. No, but that's uh, say that line again, Alan. I think you're right. I said I don't know. We don't know what holy love is. We don't know what love is until we know the love of Christ. I, um, I think you're right. I think and you're and and, and right. let's be and let's be honest. You're going to get beautiful glimpses of it all around, and you're going to live it mm-hmm. here and there, oh, and yeah. you're going to grow in it. And that's the pursuit of sanctification. That's the pursuit of holiness to get to the place where you are experiencing love excluding sin. But that doesn't mean that you yet know the fullness of love. There is even hmm, all of the love, even at that place of sanctification and perfection, is 
even a taste of all of the love of God that can pour into you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, um, I, um, I, 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 I'll just say as we get ready to, to wind, wind down here, um, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for these guys and not just, you know, our friendship, but the love that they pour into me and hold me accountable, praying for me, just kind of being there that I can, you know, and it's not just these two guys. It is my my other brothers and and another and another group that um, Alan and I are part of. And I know that Jim is part of a kind of a bigger group mm-hmm. himself, and he would say say the same thing. Uh, we, we the power of community is such that, um, um, like for me, I can tell in my spirit when I haven't connected. Yeah. I can tell when my connection is not where it needs to be. Um, and so uh, that's an important um, important piece to this. Yeah. So connect up. Get in a small group. Get in a band. Find some people who will love you um, through all your ugliness, will um, hold you accountable, who will call you on the carpet, but will do it in holy love. And the other thing is people need you to do that for them. Absolutely. People need Absolutely. you to do that for them. This is your ministry. Right. You don't only you, you don't just need it. Right. You need to offer it to other people. Um, do not do not uh, let lay fallow the gift that God has given you. Help right. other people to grow in holy love. Um, I, I I may have told this story in a past episode long ago, but um, I knew I knew there's this one moment that sticks in my mind. I knew that Alan Kaysen was going to be more than just a friend. He was going to be my brother when um, when he said to me one day, um, when I was serving another church, he said to me uh, one day, he goes, Brett, um, y- you need to kind of get it together because I'm afraid <laughs> you're going to be, that you're going you're gonna to die of a heart attack. Like he, he just kind of named it like where I was, living in a lot of stress and I was not sleeping well and I was missing a lot of things. Um, he said, I mean, he just called me on the carpet for it. He said, Brett, I've seen it happen to loved ones. I don't need to see this happen to you. And that it was, Alan, it was at that moment when I knew that you were more than a friend, that you were my brother. And that I was like, because at that, I couldn't argue with that. I couldn't come back like, man, get out of my business. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, cause that's how I talk anyway. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, you need that. You need that. All right. I think- All right, everybody. We talked about Pentecost coming up this Sunday before we're recording. Yeah. I hope y'all have, uh, by the time this comes out, it'll be, it'll have come, we'll be in the season of Pentecost. Uh, I hope your Pentecost is fantastic, but, um, you know, a lot of churches do a lot of different things. Brett was talking about a practice his church is about to do. Yeah. Um, y'all ever do the thing where you, you want your church to wear red or yeah, fire yeah, colors? Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. So we're going to do that. Um, I want to show everybody the pair of shoes that I have come in, hopefully in time to wear on Sunday, uh, for Pentecost Sunday. Y'all ready for this? I'm going to share my screen. Do you okay. see that? Yep. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Uh, I think those are nice. I think those are nice. There was a pair I really wanted, but I couldn't justify the cost. These are these are affordable. Y'all, I'm going to rock out these red knit shoes. Uh, <laughs> check it out on YouTube if you haven't. You know what's going to be the hard part? It's so um, special. <laughs> I'm going to need to find a way to wear these beyond just that Sunday. I know. So I'm going to be seeing if it's possible for, for Jim Morrow to rock the red shoe fashion on a Tuesday or a Thursday. <laughs> oh, I was thinking I could just take you to a Georgia game. 
There you go. It's yeah. done. It's done. done. Okay. Done and done. See, already I can just, you know, you know how we can self-justify things? This purchase is just perfect. Yes, it's done and done. Yeah, done and done. Yep. All, all right, right, everybody. All right. Well, that's um, that's all I've got, and I think this is all that these guys have. And so we are so grateful for you to join us. Hey, share what's going on. Uh, questions at podacusis.com is our email. At podacusis is where you can find us on social media. 404-635-6679 is our voicemail. We want to hear from you. We want to know how the Lord is moving in your life. We want to know you know, what has been the impact of bands and, and, and uh, small groups and just people holding you accountable. Um, and uh, y'all just keep on, um, uh, keep on sharing us with your friends. We're so grateful for that. And until next time, we hope uh, that y'all have a great Pentecost, although we're entering into a Pentecost season. So Pentecost I hope you're Sunday will be, having, you're a, having great a great Pentecost. Pentecost. All right, that's all we got. We'll talk to y'all later.